This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. As is our usual custom, we begin with a serious drama, usually a detective story. So, I won't stray too far from our regular pattern. Let's go back to 1944 and listen in on a show with Lon Clark in the title role. It was heard as a 30-minute program on Sunday afternoons at 3 p.m. Acme Products, makers of such home improvement chemicals as Chemtone Paints and Linux Floor Cleaning Waxes, a near rival to the more popular Johnson's Wax products, heard on... Uh, several uh, NBC radio shows. Jock McGregor was the producer-director of the scripts, and the background music, well, that was supplied by organists Hank Silvern, Lou White, and George Wright. Here's tonight's episode called Records of Death. Listen to a murder. 
cheerful, isn't it? Now, Mr. Field, before we go further, there are a few things I should like to know. How long ago did you buy this box at the auction? A little over a month ago. Mm-hmm. On the express company. Must have had it for about a year or so. Another thing. Were there any wrappings on the box when you bought it? Yes, it was well wrapped in heavy burlap. You have those wrappings now? I'm sorry to say I don't. By the time I realized that the wrappings might have furnished a clue to the mystery, they'd been burned in the incinerator. Too bad. Well, do you have any chance, whatever, recall the name and address to which the box was consigned? Fortunately, I do. It was addressed to an Alex Delanois in New York City. But I've searched every city directory, every telephone book, every place where names are listed, and I can find no such name anywhere. There was no street address, and the rest of the label, as I remember it, was practically obliterated. I see. All right, Mr. Field, let's listen to the records. And gladly. I'm very anxious to get your opinion of them. Are they in any kind of order? Well, after hearing them over and over, as I've done, I believe that I've finally arranged them in their proper order. I see. They're so peculiar, I can hardly wait to see if you can tell me the answer. Here's the first one. I have a terrible story to tell. But even while I try to tell it, I'm afraid that you who may listen to this will not believe me. But I beg you, if justice means anything to you, believe me. And avenge me. I shall rest easier in my grave if I know that those who hope to profit by my death have been deprived of the fortune they plan to get by killing me. I am very rich, but I am not rich enough to avoid the fate that is in store for me. She sounds as if she meant it, doesn't she? I thought he was coming in, but he went away. I've tried several times to escape, but I've failed each time. I wish I could tell you where I am, but I can't. Because I was drugged when they brought me here. Oh, I I forgot to say, my name is Nancy Deering, and I'm 22 years old. You who listen to this will recognize the name at once, of course. I only hope they don't murder me until I can... Is that the end of it? Not quite. He almost caught me that time. But now he's left me alone again. Maybe I can... That's all. Apparently he came back before she expected him. She certainly had plenty of trouble getting a story out of the records, didn't she? Yes. She was interrupted many times. Generally in the wrong places. I imagine no trouble is too great if you're really desperate. What a terrible feeling it must be to expect to be killed any minute. Here's the second record if you're ready. Okay, dear. I don't know where I left off with my story last time... I dare not play it back. If they should ever hear what I'm trying to do, they'd take the machine away from me. Then I'd be completely lost. I feel that my end is coming very soon now. They may carry out their plans to... In the gloaming, oh, my darling, when the lights are soft and low, I think he's gone now. I'm sure Ralph was listening at the door, but the singing apparently convinced him I was listening to the radio. When the time comes, I know it will be Ralph who killed me. Olive will undoubtedly help him, but Ralph is the leader. I found that out the other day when they tried to get me to sign the papers which will give them possession of my fortune. I shall never sign but that... When the light... 
the rest of the records. Uh, uh, they did her best. Too bad she didn't succeed better. She managed to get most of her story on the records, one way or another. The only thing she really missed out on was telling us more about herself than just her name. Probably never occurred to her that the records might travel thousands of miles before someone would hear them. Yeah, here's the third record. Last night, somebody searched my rooms while I was in bed. Maybe they suspect that I'm making these records. Although I'm very careful. I play the radio all the time so they'll be used to hearing the noise. Ralph told me yesterday he was sure I was going crazy. Maybe I... Nancy, Olive asked me to tell you that. And that ends that. Whose voice is the verb that was there at the end? I suspect it was Ralph's. It's amazing how much of the scene she recreates this way without really saying anything definite. You can feel the tension and the suspense right along with her. Yes. On the fourth record, she was able to get part of the visit that Ralph paid her one day. She must have known he was coming and prepared for it by putting the record blank on the machine in advance. Then, when she heard him at the door, she probably turned it on. Got this. Well, put it on quickly, Mr. Field. You are, Miss Borden. Well, my beautiful young half-sister, have you decided to sign over your fortune to me? I told you long ago I'd never do that. If you sign, we'll set you free, just as we promised. You don't fool me, Ralph. The minute I sign my name to that paper you have there, you'll kill me. You know that as well as I do. You'll set me free. That's funny. Ah, you don't know when you're well off, Nancy. If you did, you'd sign and go free. You don't think I'm a fool, Ralph. I do. And I also think it won't be long before you wish you had signed. out of this one. Maybe you'll have better luck. You mean it's not like the others? Quite different. Here, I'll start it near the end. The whole first part is just scratch and nothing else. It's the idea of locking herself. Nancy. Where is she? Nancy, follow her. She's hiding. Drag her out. I'll find her. I'll find her. I'll find her. I'll find her. Saying anything. 
Then Ralph and Olive came, found the door locked, and, being suspicious, broke it down. Nancy hid, and they dragged her out. There was an argument about something that I didn't get. Nancy grabbed Ralph's pistol and took a quick shot at him, but she missed. Before she could pull the trigger again, he took the gun away from her. Good grief, Mr. Carter. It's clear enough when you tell it. Well, here's the sixth one. I'm sorry. The time is very short. I may be interrupted any minute. I'm seldom left alone anymore. They seem to be afraid of what I'll do if I'm left alone. I wonder that they haven't killed me before this. I wonder if they... There's nothing but scratch for quite a bit here, but she starts again. Olive came in. I had to stop. Now she's gone for a few minutes at least. Yesterday I wrote a letter to my father and I threw it out the window, hoping someone would find it and mail it. But Ralph found it and brought it back to me and laughed at me. I keep asking him for news of my father, but he'll tell me nothing. If father only knew where I am, he'd rescue me. Maybe if I can jump. And that's the end of that. We didn't get much out of it. I wonder where father comes into this. You know, see before we're through. This seventh record is more interesting. Because it records a complete conversation between Nancy and Ralph. Good. Let's hear it. Welcome, Beth. But I know it's the only way I'll ever get away from you two. 
I'm firmly convinced you'll never succeed in getting possession of my fortune. Uh, of course we'll get it. No doubt about that. I don't think you will. No? No. That is, you won't get it unless you're planning on murdering my father, too. After you forged a new will for him to leave behind him. You're smart, aren't you? Guessed it the first time. No. No, you wouldn't. You couldn't. No, why not? He's not my father. And we want his fortune for ourselves. I can't believe such inhuman creatures as you two really exist. <laughs> Our mother bore a strange lot of children, didn't she? On one hand, we have you, my saintly Nancy. And on the other hand, we have the twins, Olivet and me, who are anything but saintly. <laughs> yes, life is very strange sometimes. Get out! Get out of me, you know I've got to do anything with you! That's an excellent idea, Nancy. I'll be gone for about 15 minutes. If you're wise, you won't be alive when I return. Goodbye. I hope forever. You heard what he said? It was the best evidence I could get. Ralph really made a full confession without knowing that every word he said was being preserved for you to hear. But my father... terribly moved when I hear that record. She never had a chance, really. Well, let's hear the next one. That's the ninth, isn't it? Yeah, uh, number nine is almost a blank. Here it is. They almost caught me that time. They mustn't do that because they might find the records I've already made and destroy them. They're both coming back in a few minutes, but maybe I can... Is that all there is on that one? That's all. That's the end of the record. There's one more, isn't there? Yes. Uh, number ten. The first two-thirds of it's blank. It starts here. Stand back, both of you. Well, no, but you see, I'm armed. You know I can shoot. Shoot straight. I'll kill the first one of you to move. Come, oh, Parker, that's my gun. Where'd you get it? Olive gave it to me so I could defend myself. That's a lie you know it. What is it, Ed? Yes. She's dead. What do we do with the body? 
old man will be here in a couple of hours. We don't want to be caught. That's the end of the last record. Poor Nancy. She certainly got a tough break. I truly believe that's the most remarkably told tragedy in history. Oh, Mr. Carter, have you got any ideas? I have, but I'm not ready to talk about them yet. Well, what's the next step now, Nick? Well, first of all, Patsy, I want to examine the other contents of the box thoroughly. I can look them over more intelligently now that I've heard the records. Then I want to play those records over and over until I know them by heart. And then? Then I expect to be able to give you the answer to the problem. <laughs> Got a sandwich in your pocket, Patsy? Oh, Nick, I thought you'd never finish listening to those records. Well, I wanted to be sure I didn't miss anything anyway. And I believe I've learned everything those records could tell me. You mean you really found some clues, Nick? Yes, indeed, Patsy. There are several clues marked out for us very plainly. Oh, that's wonderful. But first, I want to go over that list from head of the other things that were in that box addressed to Alex Delanois. Of course, Nick. Let me see now. Um, oh, yes, here it is. Opera Cloak with label Felix and Company Toronto. And a beautiful and expensive thing it was, too. Mm. Silk slip with the name Olivet Dupre pinned on it. Wish I could wear silk like that. That's it. A silk slip with the name Nancy Deering pinned to it. A New Testament with the name Evangeline Dupre on the flyleaf. Several rings, all very valuable. A real pearl necklace. And some beautiful and very expensive lace. Also, of course, the bloodstained nightdress, which must have been the one that Nancy was murdered in. And the three snapshots, of course. Oh, yes. One with the name Olivet on the back. One with the name Ralph, and one with the name Evangeline Dupre Deering. Whoever packed that box knew exactly what he was doing, Patsy. All ties together beautifully. He or she has given us all the clues he could to the people concerned in the affair. Evangeline Dupre Deering must have been the mother. Yes. She had two children, twins, Ralph and Olivet, by her first marriage. Then she married Nancy's father, a man named Deering. But that doesn't get as much nearer a solution, Nick. Oh, but it does, Patsy. Did you notice that all the voices we heard in the records were American? Well, yes, I guess they were. And yet the names are mostly French, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Now, where do we find a combination like that around here? Why, in Canada, I suppose. Exactly. And the label on the opera cloak says Toronto, which confirms the Canada idea perfectly. You mean that the Deerings lived in Toronto? Well, it's certainly quite logical to assume that the scene of the murder is Canada, and very possibly in the vicinity of Toronto. Well, we start there anyway. Maybe the Toronto police can help us. But, Nick, even if you're right, it doesn't mean that the police would know anything about the murder. It was all done so secretly. You're overlooking one thing, Patsy. I am? What is it? The family from which these people came was a rich family. Very rich indeed, if we may guess from the beautiful laces and from the jewelry and other things packed in the box. Mm -hmm. And remember also that Nancy's father was probably killed, too. Now, I can't believe that the head of a rich and probably well-known family could disappear without anyone knowing it. You mean you think the police will know that something happened to him about a year ago? Even if they don't think that there's anything wrong about it. Exactly. So pack your bag, Patsy, and order a taxi to take us to the airport. We're flying to Toronto immediately. I'm very happy to welcome you back to Toronto, Mr. Carter. It's been many years since you've been up here to see us. Thanks very much, Chief. Now, you mind if I ask you a few questions? Of course not. Go right ahead. Did you get a letter about a year ago telling that a murder had been done that if you wanted proof, you should claim an express box sent to New York City in the name of Alex Delanois. Wait a minute. By George Carter, we did get just such a letter. But we thought it was the work of a crank and destroyed it. Do you mean it was true? I have every reason to believe it was. Now, another question. Would you know anything about a girl named Nancy Deering or about her father? For heaven's sake, Carter, what do you know about the Deering family? You answer my question first, I'll answer yours. What about the Deering? 
the father, Charles Deering, is, is or was the younger son of an English nobleman. He was immensely rich, had a house here in town, a country place called Deering Hall. He married a woman with two children, twins, I believe, and she died when his daughter Nancy was born. He was always prominent in local affairs up to about a year ago when he said to have disappeared. Hasn't been seen since. I understand he started for Deering Hall, but never arrived there, according to his two stepchildren. What about his daughter, Nancy? Nancy was brought up by relatives in Montreal. Few people here know her at all. But as I remember it, she was supposed to have disappeared just before her father did. Although I now understand that she was at Deering Hall with her half-brother and sister all the time. You say Nancy didn't disappear after all? I know. As a matter of fact, she was here in Toronto this past week. She believes her father is dead, so she's applied for letters of administration for the estate. I thought so. You did? What do you know about it? Enough to know that this girl who calls herself Nancy Deering isn't Nancy Deering at all. She's an imposter whom the stepchildren have brought in to impersonate her. Chief, we got to get out to Deering Hall at once. Deering estate turns off somewhere right in here, Carter. I'm not quite sure. Well, look, Chief. There's a man standing in the road up ahead. Oh, so there is. And he's motioning to us to stop. He looks almost like a dwarf, doesn't he? Uh, certainly a queer-looking individual. Yes, we are up to our going to the oil. Yes, we are. Why? Could you take me back there? I have walked so far, I am tired out. Oh, of course. Climb in. Oh, well, you are a policeman, no? Yes, I am. Oh, then you can help me. And I need help so very much. What seems to be the trouble? My name is Alex Delanois. I am the... Alex Delanois? Oh, yes. You know me. You once sent a box packed with records and other things to New York City addressed to yourself? Oh, but yes, you have seen it. Yes, that's why we're here. Tell me, how did you ever happen yes, to... Yes, I will tell you everything. I was the caretaker at the hall. Miss Deering let me stay in one of the old tower rooms. Because I am, as you see, a cripple. Sometimes I, I do not get out of bed for days at a time. About a year ago, the two stepchildren of those so very wicked devils came to the hall. They brought a girl who was kept a prisoner in one of the bedrooms. Alex, isn't that the hall, road to the hall just ahead? No, but yes, the hall is about a half a mile in of this road. Go on with your story, Alex. Yeah, uh, the, the girl was so carefully guarded by those two, I could not get to her room. I could not help her. I am a cripple. No, you did what you could, Alex. You being there helped her, I know. How did you manage to get the things packed in the box? After they killed Nancy, they did not guard their room so carefully. I got in. I took the records and the other things and packed them in the box. A fisherman I know up by the lake sent the box by experts for me. I wrote to the police in Toronto and in New York and told them what had happened and asked them to claim this box. But I am afraid they did not do it. No, we didn't. We thought the letter was just a hoax. What about Nancy's father? Ah, uh, the day after Nancy was killed... He came here, and they tried to kill him, too. Tried to? You mean they didn't succeed? No, no, not quite. They hit him on the head with a pistol and threw him into the lake from the high cliff. Ah, but I saw them do it, and I rescued him. 
I took him to my home and nursed him myself until he could get a doctor. Well, how is he now? Well, he's about well now, I think. There's the house right ahead, Nick. Drive right up to the door, Chief. I'll go ahead. You keep in the background in case they know you. Okay, Carter. Well, I'll be right behind you. Alex, you and Patsy stay here in the car. Oh, but of course. Sure, Nick. Yes? What is it, please? Please tell Miss Deering that we've come to take some affidavits concerning her application as administratrix for the estate. Yes, sir. Well, come in, please. I'll announce you. It's your turn now, Chief. I'll stand here one side of the door, just in case. I can handle them, Carter. Maybe, but they're going to be quiet. Here they come. Well, gentlemen, what can we I'll do? Out pray, I arrest you and your sister Olivette for the murder. I'll take that gun to play with. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. You don't. You don't. Oh, no, 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 you don't. Oh, well, handcuffs on him. They both keep safely till we can put them behind the bars. And we can now restore Deering Hall to his rightful owner once more. Even though it's almost a year later, the box that Alex Eleanor packed has fulfilled his destiny. Adventures of Nick Carter, Master Detective, which are brought to you regularly at the same time by WOR Mutual. What's your story going to be about next week, Nick? Well, next week I'm going to tell you the tale of the thief and murderer who had to be caught twice before he was really caught at all. And when Nick caught him the second time, it was because he was able to guess in advance exactly what the criminal was going to do as well as exactly what he was going to think. And what did you say the crime was? Merely a matter of murder and robbery. Well, there was nothing unusual in the crime itself. The excitement came, and the way Nick chased him, outsmarted him, and finally caught him. It's a very special example of the criminal who was just a little too clever for his own good. He overrated himself and underrated Nick. That's always dangerous where Nick Carter is concerned. Back to the government. And so long till next week. So long, everybody. And so long to you both. In the strange adventure you've just heard, Nick Carter was impersonated by Lon Clark, Patsy by Helen Choate. Original music was played by Lou White, and the entire production was written and directed by Jock McGregor. Next week at the same time, listen to another curious experience of Nick Carter entitled The Unwilling Accomplice, or Nick Carter and the Mystery of the Society Burglar. This story is a copyrighted feature of Street and Smith Publications Incorporated. This is Mutual. Stay tuned for The Aldridge Family next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Aldridge Family, a popular radio teenage situation comedy starring Ezra Stone, who brought the character to life initially in the Broadway show by Clifford Goldsmith, What a Life. Here we go with the episode entitled School Ring. Jello Puddings present... Henry! Henry Aldrich! Coming, Mother. The Aldrich Family, based on characters originated by Clifford Goldsmith and starring Ezra Stone as Henry with Jackie Kelkis Homer. Brought to you by Jello Puddings. 
Just a taste of Jell-O puddings, and believe me, you will know they are made by famous J-E-L-L-O. Yes, Jell-O puddings, those old-time, all-time favorites you've always known and loved. All three so rich and distinctive, so creamy smooth, with an old-fashioned homemade goodness. There's Jell-O chocolate pudding, rich, dark, and luscious. There's buttery brown sugar butterscotch and creamy rich vanilla, a trio of treats. They're made with milk and nourishing. They cook to perfection in just about five minutes. And all three Jell-O puddings are so gloriously good, you'll say you never tasted anything better. family. There's something about a teenage boy that makes all of us laugh and remember and live again the days of our youth. And if he's a typical teenager like Henry Aldrich, it's always a pleasure to join him in the joys and misadventures that were ours when we were young. It's evening. The scene is the Aldrich living room. Father, may I just point out one thing? What? It's only seven fifty. And do you realize how much a new suit of clothes would cost? You want a new suit of clothes? No, sir. I'd rather have a school ring. Henry, for the last time, I'm not buying you a school ring. Now, I'd like to read my paper. But, Father, everybody in school is getting one. All the kids I know just went home and asked for money, and their father said, Sure, gee whiz, you're welcome to it, and just forked over. I see. But I appreciate your being economical, Father. Gee, if you didn't pinch pennies around here, you wouldn't have any bank account at all. Well, I'm glad you realize that. You've built up quite a nice bank account that way, haven't you, Father? I have. So you really wouldn't miss seven fifty, would you? <laughs> Henry, if you think I'm going to hand over seven fifty for a ring that you wind up giving to some girl... Father, whatever gave you an idea like that? Gee, the rings are solid gold with our school crest on them in two colors. Why would I give a thing like that to a girl? I don't know, son, but we all do. You mean you once gave a ring to a girl? <laughs> Henry, I'm trying to read my paper. Oh. But, Father, I haven't told you why I really need it. You haven't? You see, the teachers all feel that we need something to keep up our morale. Just imagine you're sitting in history class, see, and you're bored stiff. And you just happen to glance down and at your ring. And it's got your good old school crest on it. And boy, you want to stand up and cheer. That's very interesting. Go on. And then you think of how much Central High means to you. And it all comes back that you're there to get an education. Yes. So you pile into your history like a ton of bricks and you wind up first in your class. Everybody winds up first? Oh, no, sir. Just me. <laughs> oh. So can't I please have a school ring? No. Father, have you thought of this? Henry, have you thought of this? If I bought you that ring, you wouldn't have it a week before it would be lost. Lost, Father? Lost? How could I lose it when it's on my finger? What about that fountain pen I bought you last month? You wanted to know how you could lose that when it was clipped to your jacket. Well, I didn't lose that pen, Father. No? I just lost the jacket. <laughs> I see. And I couldn't very well lose my finger. Henry, I'm not going to argue. The point is, until your memory improves, I'm not buying you another thing. Oh, my memory, Father. Is that all that's worrying you? Is that all? Henry, do you realize how important memory is? Sure, Father. And from now on, you're going to see a big change in me. Good. Boy, I'm going to remember every single thing I can lay my mind on. For instance, do you know what year the Battle of Waterloo was fought? What year? 
I'll go and look it up. <laughs> you wait there, Father, and I'll... Henry, look out. Gee, I'm sorry, Mother. Did I knock you over? Well, not quite. My goodness, Sam, what's he so excited about? Alice, I'm supposed to be a good lawyer, but I'd hate to come up against Henry in court. He does have a way with him, doesn't he? He does indeed. It's about that school rig. Sam, why don't you get it for him? I am going to get it for him for a Christmas present. Oh. But I'm not sure I'll be able to hold out that long. May I have the toast, please, Mother? Yes, dear. Some more coffee, Sam? Just half a cup, please. Why isn't Henry down for breakfast? He'll be right down. My, isn't this a lovely morning? Mother, is there anything we can do about Henry this evening? How do you mean, dear? Well, with Joe Graham coming and everything, I don't want Henry coaxing for that ring all through dinner. Joe will think we haven't got a cent. Well, if Joe's interested only in your money, you might as well find it out right now. Oh, Father. Anyway, Mary, about that ring, your father's decided... Uh, Alice. What, dear? Uh, Mary, will you uh, please run out to the kitchen and fry me another egg? All right, Father. Sam, what's the matter? I don't want Mary to know I'm getting Henry that ring. He's sure to let the cat out of the bag. Oh, yes, dear. Perhaps you're right. My, I can't wait to see Henry's face on Christmas morning. The only thing is, have you any idea how we can get his finger size? Sam, I thought you were going to measure his finger last night when he was asleep. I did, but something went wrong. What happened, dear? Well, I got the string nicely knotted around his finger, and just as I went to cut it, he rolled over. On the scissors? No, Alice, on the string. His hand disappeared under his chest someplace, and every time I tried to get it, he just giggled. Sam. What? Here he comes. Oh. Alice, this was a grand breakfast. Good morning, Mother. Good morning, dear. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Henry. Well, goodbye. Henry, what do you mean, goodbye? What about your breakfast? I don't feel like any breakfast, Mother. Henry, don't be silly. I couldn't eat a bit, Father. Honest, I'm too... I'm not hungry. Hey, Henry. I'm coming, Homer. Henry, you can't go to school without eating. I'll eat an apple on the way. You are, Henry. You're going to eat an apple right in front of me? Come on. <laughs> Boy, am I worried. Well, don't worry about it. If you haven't got two apples, she all understand. Homer, do you remember me saying anything about something my father asked me to do? What? You see the string tied on my finger? Well, I woke up this morning, and there it was, and I can't remember what I tied it on there for. Well, that's easy, Henry. It was to remind you to do something. Sure it was. But I can't remember what. I can't even remember tying it on. Henry, you're in bad shape. I'll say. Right on top of my father lecturing me about my memory. Was it something you had to do for somebody else? Yeah. It must have been something for my father. He's the only one I was talking to last night. Concentrate, Henry. Concentrate. I'll say. Gee whiz, if I can't remember what it is, my father will never buy me that ring. Henry, didn't your father say anything at dinner about you not doing it? No, Homer. That's the awful part of it. He just looked at me. He did. Well, that's terrible. All through dinner tonight, when he wasn't talking to Joe Graham, he just kept staring at me, at my hands. Your hands? Sure. 
He's so mad he can't look me straight in the eye. I wish I could help you out, Henry. Say, maybe you could. My father's in the living room with Josie. Suppose you go in and ask him if there's anything he'd like you to do. Henry, are you crazy? What if there is? Well, he might ask you to do the thing I'm supposed to remember to do. Then I'll do it. Well, okay, you stay here. Don't act suspicious, though, Homer. I won't. Oh, my work's going just fine, thank you, Mr. Aldrich. Well, I'm glad to hear it, Joe. Oh, Homer. Oh, by the way, Mr. Aldrich, is there any little thing you'd like me to do? No, thank you. You can't think of a thing? Not a single thing. That's funny. And now, Homer, I have something I'd like to discuss with Joe here. Sure, Mr. Aldrich. And if you think of anything, I wish you'd let me know. Nice boy. Yes. Now, Joe, here's what I want to ask you. I'm getting Henry a school ring for a Christmas present. And I want to make sure I get it before they're all gone. Yes. But here's the catch. It has to be picked up in person at the school, and I don't want Henry or any of his friends to see me down there. They might suspect something. Oh, I understand, Mr. Aldrich. And I wondered, Joe, if you'd mind running over to Central High tomorrow and getting one of those rings for me. Oh, no, sir. I wouldn't mind a bit. Oh, that's fine. Uh, another thing. I'd rather you didn't mention this to Mary. I want to be sure Henry well, doesn't I'll find try, out, and I, I don't think... know. Oh, don't let me disturb you, Mr. Aldrich. Homer, what are you doing? Wait, I tell you... I just thought I'd straighten this plant a little. Go right on with what you were saying, Mr. Aldrich. Uh, Homer, I don't want to seem rude, but can't you please run along? Sure, Mr. Aldrich. Uh, just as soon as I tie my shoelace. You just forget I'm in the room. How can I do that? Well, I'll tie it real quietly. Well, you just... Uh, Homer, will you please leave? Oh, gee whiz, I'd be glad to. Now then, Mr. Oh, uh, wait a minute, Joe, until we're sure we're alone. Oh, boy. Did you find out, Homer? Did you find out what they were talking about? Boy, Henry, is your father unreasonable? You mean he's mad? I'll say. And all I could find out is he's asking Joe to do something for him. He is? Oh, boy, that means he's really mad. Homer, you stay here. I'll get Mary to help me. Mary! I'm in the dining room, Henry, and please don't bother me. I'm trying to get these dishes cleared away. Mary, you, you've got more influence with Joe Graham than I have. Won't you please ask him a simple question for me? What question? Just call him in here and ask him what father's been talking to him about. My goodness, is father talking about me? About you? Henry, he hasn't been showing Joe that photograph album, has he? Why, you... Oh, my goodness, Joe! I'll wait out here in the hall. Did you call me, Mary? Yes, I, uh... I thought you might like to keep me company while I wash the dishes. Well, I guess I could. Uh, the only thing is, your father and I were... were... What, Joe? Nothing. Joe, you started to say something. What were you and father talking about? I'm sorry, Mary. I'd like to tell you, but I can't. You mean it's a surprise? Yeah, that's what it is. Why, Joe, isn't that sweet? I just love surprises. What's that? Oh, Joe. Uh, yes, Mr. Aldrich. Uh, one more thing about that ring, about getting the size. Oh, Mary. Father, did you say... Did you say... Mary, just forget what I said. Of course, Father, I didn't hear a thing. <laughs> Joe, could you come back into the living room a minute? Yes, Joe, you just go on. And my goodness, you talk as long as you want about... About... Thanks, Mary. Uh, what were you going to say, Mr. Aldrich? Wait until I close the door. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, an engagement ring. Mother! Yes, dear? Mother, come here. You have all the plates stacked. Mother, I'm so happy I could die. I can hardly believe it. Believe what? My goodness, after all these years, I thought it was never going to happen. Dear, what on earth are you talking about? 
Mary, no. Mother, yes. What? To Joe Graham. He's in there right now talking to Father. Mary. Mary, my little girl. Mother, are you coming? Of course not, dear. Mary, I want you to know how happy I am for you. Now I think I'd like to go and get something out of my eye. Come right back, Mother. We'll have to start planning everything. I don't know how I'll be able to stand this house without you. Mother, it isn't that I don't appreciate your help. It's no trouble at all, dear. But don't you think we're rushing things a little? He hasn't even asked me yet. I know, dear, but since you'll be buying a house eventually, you should get an idea of the market so Joe will know what you're talking about. Well, I guess it can't do any harm to look. Here we are, dear. Go ahead. Thank you, Mother. Oh, my, look at the lovely picture. Oh, I like that stone house up there. Uh, yes, lady. May I help you? Uh, this is the Crawford Real Estate Office, isn't it? Yes, indeed. I'm Mr. Crawford. How do you do? We were wondering what you had in the way of houses. Well, now... Just a small house for two people. Oh, about five rooms? Well, let's see. Uh, may I have your name, please? Mrs... Uh, that is Miss... Mother, what do I tell him? Uh, I'm Mrs. Samuel Aldrich, and this is my daughter, Mary. Aldrich. Very well. Oh, say, I think I have just the thing for you. It's a little Cape Cod, stone and clabbered, and it's a beauty. Oh, goodness, it sounds perfectly wonderful. Uh, just a moment, Mary. I'll do the talking. Uh, Mr. Crawford, it sounds as though it might be satisfactory. Uh, how about the price? Oh, it's dirt cheap, Mrs. Aldrich. They're giving it away for $17,000. $17,000? Mr. Crawford, that's ridiculous. Come along, Mary. Mrs. Aldrich, you haven't even seen the house. Thank you very much for your trouble, but please forget the whole thing. But wait, you We were really just looking anyway, Mr. Crawford. He hasn't even asked me yet. <laughs> I'm glad you dropped into the office, Will. I can't seem to keep my mind on work somehow. I can understand that. It'll take a while to get used to it. Mary seems so young, I just can't picture her getting married. Boy, that wedding will set you back something. Well, I don't mind that so much. I've been watching the pennies for a while, Will. I've managed to build up a nice little bank account. Yeah? Besides, I'm sure Mary will be sensible about it. I wouldn't count on it. They all want a big splash. Oh, I don't know, Will. Well, that's one consolation about Homer. When he gets married, someone else can worry about the bills. Oh, excuse me. Hello? Hello, is that Mr. Samuel Aldridge? Yes. Uh, this is Mr. Crawford. Who? Mr. Crawford, from the real estate office. Yes? I thought perhaps I'd better talk this thing over with you. What thing? About the house. Your wife apparently isn't aware that prices have gone up, and if you want a house... I don't want a house. I've got a house. But, Mr. Aldrich, your wife was in my office only yesterday. She was definitely interested in looking at a small house with about five rooms. What? And I found a little jewel for only 12000 Uh, Look, Mr. Crawford, suppose I get in touch with you. You'll do that? Yes, one way or the other. All right, sir. Well, Sam, what's happened? Is it bad news? Alice is out looking at houses. What for? Well, she's been saying she didn't think she could stand our old house without Mary, but I didn't think she meant it literally. Well, you just said you have a nice bank account. Not that nice.
troubles of Henry Aldrich. Hoping to get a school ring, Henry is desperately trying to remember something his father asked him to do. Mr. Aldrich, however, has already sent Joe Graham down to the school to get the ring as a Christmas present for Henry. And Mary believes Joe is buying her an engagement ring. It's the next day, and the scene opens in the Aldrich backyard. backyard, Homer. Where'd you disappear to? I've been around in front, resting on the porch. Resting? Sure. Don't you think I get tired watching you do all this work? <laughs> well, then you better go away again, Homer, because I'm going to finish beating these rugs. If you ask me, Henry, you're going to kill yourself doing all this work. But don't you get it, Homer? If I do all the things my parents usually ask me to do, I'm sure to do it. Do what? Gee whiz, the thing I can't remember to do. Stand back. But, Henry, I've got some news for you. Something I just found out from Willie. What? Well, you know how Willie's in charge of selling school rings? Yeah. Well, your father just bought one for Joe Graham. Homer, you're crazy. I am not. Joe went down to the school today and got a ring, and he gave Willie a check from your father. He did? Well, well, gee, what's wrong with that? Joe used to go to Central High, didn't he? Well, sure. Well, gee, that... That's only natural. Joe's going to be a part of the family. My father has a perfect right to buy him a school ring. Instead of buying one for you? Sure. It isn't every day a family gets a new son. Gee, do you suppose Joe will be moving into your room? You think so? Well, he's certainly welcome to it. Look, Ken, there's lots of room over at my house. No, thank you, Homer. I wouldn't think of forcing myself on anybody. Henry, where are you going? Don't worry about me, Homer. I'll, I'll be all right. Boy. Boy, am I mad. Where's that carpet beater? May I show you something in snow shovels? Uh, no, thank you. I was wondering if you carried pear trees. Oh, yes, indeed. The Emporium carries everything. And if we don't, we can get it for you. Oh, well, that's fine. Uh, can you send six pear trees up to my home right away? Right away? Uh, yes, my wife's been wanting some for years. Oh, but this is December. Well, I thought this was as good a time as any to get them in. They'll keep until spring if I cover them over with earth. They will? Oh, of course they will. Although you know that pear trees are quite expensive. They cost considerably less than $12,000. Oh, yes, uh, considerably. Oh, and do you have paint in this department? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, how much would you like? Uh, enough to paint a house. Uh, what kind of a house? Well, it's quite a large one and very comfortable. As a matter of fact, I'm very attached to it. Oh, is that so? Oh, say, I just thought of something else she's been wanting. Yes? I'll be back in a minute. Oh, first, could you direct me to the rug department? <laughs> As soon as I can, Homer, I'm going to send back this suitcase to my father. Will you hand me that pile of socks on the dresser, please? Oh, I have... Never mind, I'll get them. Never mind. Here they are. Thank you. One of them needs mending. Huh? I'll just throw in a needle and some thread. Might as well get used to doing my own mending. Henry, why run away now? Why not at least wait till after Christmas? No, Homer, my mind's made up. I'm leaving just as soon as I have dinner. 
Henry, have you any idea how tough it is on the road? I won't be begging, Homer. I'll be working my way. Working? What at? I'll find something. At least I have an education. Yeah, but... And I'm not a child, you know. Your suitcase is getting pretty full. That's what I was thinking. I guess I'll have to throw out my rock collection. <laughs> You're throwing your rocks away? Hope you don't think I'm going to leave them around for Joe Graham. Henry, did I tell you I'm pretty interested in rocks? You are? Well, that is, if you're running away. In that case, Homer, here. They're yours. Gee, Henry, you're giving them to me? Gee, you shouldn't. Nothing of it. Can you reach up on the wall there, please, Homer, and hand me Kathleen's picture? Look at her, Henry. Look at her smiling at you. Just hand it to me, Homer. Look what she's written on it. To Henry, yours truly, Kathleen Anderson. <laughs> Just think of how she's going to feel. Think of the spring prom, Henry. Now listen, Homer. Is that our doorbell? Sure. But why should you worry about it? I guess I'll answer it, though. It's the least I can do for my family on my last night. Can I start taking my rocks out of your suitcase? Sure. Help yourself. Oh, hi, Henry. Gee whiz, Joe, I haven't even left yet. I beg your pardon? Well, come on in. Thanks. And I just want to say, Joe, no hard feelings. About what? You know, everything. Oh. Well, no hard feelings here, either. Naturally. Is your father around? I think I heard him come in a little while ago. Joe Graham? Is that you? Hello, Mr. Aldrich. Well, well, it's nice to see you. I'll just go on back upstairs. Here, let me take your coat, Joe. Thank you, sir. Mr. Aldrich, I, uh, I thought I'd drop over with Henry's ring. Oh, good. Thank you. I guess you'll be buying one or two more before long, eh? What's that? I suppose we go into the living room and have a little chat. All right. Well, well, sit down, son. Thank you, sir. Well... Well, well, Joe. Yes, Mr. Aldrich? Oh, just call me. Well, no, there's no point in rushing things, I guess. No, no, there isn't. Rushing what, sir? Let me put it this way. Mary's a fine girl, Joe, a fine girl. Oh, yes, I like her very much. Naturally. Well... I guess I'll be running along now. Oh, nonsense, Joe. We'll be having dinner in a few minutes. You're just in time. But I was here for dinner two nights ago. Oh, well, things are a little different now. Aren't they, son? They are? <laughs> now, let me give you a word of advice, Joe. You and Mary will get along fine as long as you remember a few simple rules. Well, we get along all right. Yes, but wait until you see how she irons your shirts. What's that? It runs in the family, Joe. They just can't iron shirts. Now, you take my advice and send them out to the laundry. But my mother irons my shirts. Oh, and that's another thing. Don't ever mention your mother. No? Your mother can't do a thing. Remember that. She can't cook, she can't mend, and above all, she can't keep house. Mr. Aldrich, my mother's a fine woman. Why, yes, Joe, and so is mine. But you'll have to choose between them. I will? Uh-huh. <laughs> and that about covers it. Oh. But I'd just like to say, Joe... I'm not losing a daughter. Mother! Uh, uh, yes, Mary? Mother says dinner is almost... Oh. Hello, Mary. Why... Why, Joe. Hello, Joe. 
My goodness. Yes, Mary? Joe, I want you to know that I'm starting cooking school on Monday. And I'm also very good at darning socks. You are? Yes, indeed. You'll never have to worry about your socks in the future. You mean Mary's going to darn them? Of course, Joe. But my goodness, here I am doing all the talking. Oh, before you forget, Joe, uh, where's the ring? What? Oh, here it is, Mr. Oldridge. Oh, thank you, Joe. I really didn't want you to know about it, Mary, but now that you and Joe... Well, it's a Christmas present for Henry. Don't you think he'll like it? A school ring? Joe, is that what you and Father were talking about the other night? Why, sure. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Is something wrong, Mary? Oh, I thought I heard you in here. Oh, good evening, Mrs. Aldrich. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. And isn't it nice having... Joe, come on. Where? Anywhere. Just come on. Mary, have you been saying anything about my mother? (laughs) Alice, does it strike you Mary's acting very strangely? I hadn't noticed. What I'm wondering about is that phone call. What phone call? From the Emporium. A man phoned a while ago and asked if I wanted the rugs delivered tomorrow. Oh, uh, Alice, I've been meaning to speak to you about that. I ordered those new rugs you've been wanting for the living room in front hall. You what? Also six pear trees and enough paint to do the whole house inside and out. Sam. And I thought we might redecorate the upstairs the way you wanted. Sam, you darling. You're pleased, Alice. Pleased? I've never been so surprised and happy in my whole life. You mean you'll reconsider about the new house? What new house? Why, the one you've been looking at. Dear, I never wanted a new house. What? Well, now, look. And excuse me, I want to call the Emporium and tell them to send those rugs. Alice, wait. Oh, I'm sorry, Henry. Did I knock you over? Not entirely. Listen, Father, I, I started thinking about the spring prom and a few things, and then I smelled the stew Mother's cooking for supper, and... I'd like to make you a proposition, Father. A proposition? Yes, sir. From today on, I'll polish the car twice a week, and I'll get up at 6 o'clock every morning to stoke the furnace. You'll what? And besides, I'll shovel all the walks and carry out the ashes. What would you think of that? I'd think I was dreaming. Well, it's a deal, Father. Shake. Shake? Shake. And, uh, Henry, while this was supposed to be a Christmas present... Under the circumstances, I think I'd like you to have it now. Father, my school rang. Do you like it, son? Like it? Boy! And, Father, I finally remembered what you wanted me to do, I think. I wanted you to do something? Sure, you wanted me to burn that pile of bushes in the backyard. What? And it's all taken care of. Henry, my pear tree! Yes, Henry, I'm writing out checks. I've got the car polished, Father. Boy, does does my back ache. There, that's the last one. Now, could you tell me where Mary is? I don't know where she is. Why? Well, Joe Graham just dropped off this bundle of old socks. What's that? He said Mary would take care of them. Just a taste of jello puddings, and believe me, you will know. They are made by famous J-E-L-L-O. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Nightbeat, followed by Burns and Allen. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.